Hey guys, and welcome to episode 255 of Built on Passion. I'm your host, Matt Delabuono. This week's guest is Oliver Andrup, founder of Puri. Puri is a supplement company dedicated to making the highest quality supplements while providing full transparency of their ingredients. Oliver's passion for health and nutrition came way before he started Puri and was the main motivation for him to take the plunge into entrepreneurship. As Oliver studied nutrition, he looked at what was on the market already and realized that there was a huge lack of transparency with supplement companies who weren't being exactly forthcoming with some of the finer details of the product's ingredients. This lack of transparency helped build the foundation for what Peoria is today and help them not only stand out, but give consumers something they've been searching for, but hadn't really been able to find until now, accountability. Peoria's mission is to raise the standards of the supplement industry to make ingredient lists more readily available and easily accessible to consumers. With their partnership with the Clean Labels Project, there's no question that they are well on their way to raising the bar for the industry. In this episode of Built on Passion, Oliver Andrup shares how and why he started Puri and what the road has been like in building a brand with such a high commitment to high quality products and transparency. And without further ado, let's jump right into it. Oliver, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me here. Absolutely. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on. I guess the easy one. Who are you and what do you do? Is that easy? Is that really? (laughs) (laughs) You know, who am I? That's a very, very big question. It's a deep one. Yeah. But, you know, to try to to answer that in a short way, you know, a few years back, it would probably just have been a health nerd and entrepreneur. Today, that had changed also to be a father, obviously. But, you know, I would say if people, if you ask me, that would be the three key things. Like I am definitely a health nerd. I love preventative health and all the things you can do to kind of take care of yourself. And I love entrepreneurial journeys and uh, working with people and and building things. And obviously I love my family and and that part. So I would say that's the key. I love that. That's even a a bit of a humble take here, not to you know, make it too obvious the elephant in the room, but you are the founder of Puri as well. That's correct. Awesome. For the listener who is not familiar, what is Puri? So Puri is a health food supplement brand. And obviously you'd say, oh, there's a ton of health food supplement brands out there. And there is. What we kind of focus on to stand out is, you know, one, we have a fairly narrow portfolio of what we call the most evidence-based food supplements on the market. That means we're not first to market with the newest thing. We come in when there's, let's say, a lot of evidence pointing in a direction and a lot of macro data saying, you know, omega-3 fatty acid, vitamin D, some of these things. Then what we try to do is to be, you know, practice virtuosity and, and really do something uncommonly well. And what that means in our our industry is creating something that's potent. So you got to be providing, you know, a active ingredients in an amount that actually deliver effect and then being clean. And that's really where we want to stand out, especially because as we're seeing the way we treat the planet all over the world, the way we're just kind of treating everything we do, you know, environmental toxins end up in our food chain. And though we are seeing progress and and initiatives being carried out to minimize the uh, amount we're still just getting started. We're still polluting way more on a global level than we should be. And that ends up in our food chain. And food supplements, when you're concentrating active natural ingredients, you're actually also potentially concentrating environmental toxin, whether that is lead, whether that is pesticide residue, or even like the microplastics and, and so on. So puree, is always third-party tested batch products of you know natural, clean, powerful ingredients, and you know that's kind of the key. And not many brands does that. We hope the goal is for us actually to get everybody to do it. Eventually, be just part of a you know it's a regulated thing that when you buy something that's supposed to give you a health positive effect, and like swallowing a pill doesn't have any instant gratification, doesn't fill up any need. It's just have to deliver an effect. If that has a like a side effect, buying something you know that's really to be honest pretty stupid. And unfortunately, we're seeing that in our food chain and in all the different testing we do. So you know. We are pure, pure origin, the cleanest possible potent food supplements. That's one thing that I really, when I 
you know, first connected with you and Peoria and, and just kind of looking at, you know, your offering your products. That's one thing I, I really thought made a lot of sense instead of trying to capture every possible supplement that could exist. You narrowed it down to the ones that every single person needs. A few of them, some that people often are deficient in, like, I mean, vitamin D3, I think is, you know, the most widely one. And then, you know, you can focus your efforts, put kind of turn in on yourself and then just make what you are doing, the baseline, the simple stuff as clean and as, you know, well-made as possible. I thought that was like, it made sense. You didn't distract yourself with extra skews or anything like that. No. And and we've had extra skews and I actually had to cut them down and kind of remove them out for various reasons. Most of them has actually been supply issues and like setting our own standards of clean, natural product has been sometimes really, really freaking hard to source on a consistent basis. So yeah, it's definitely who we are. And again, a lot of these products is something you take on a daily basis. So if you are, you know, we live in a world where whether it's from air, from water, from food, the pollution we have around us that goes in so many different, you know, if you're taking something on a daily basis, that's where I would invest a little bit more making sure it's clean. You know, otherwise I would constant try to go with constantly varied and not be too exposed when we don't have a set of data on all the key products. Because what I sincerely believe is the future is that all risk products should have a, like you have food label that says protein, fat, and so on. It should have a toxin profile label, whether it's on the label or through an app or something like that, you know, but it, it seems, it seems so obvious. It's a very hard thing to implement for the chain and that would be for the entire kind of food industry. But like we are taking something in that every scientist in the room will agree on is bad for you. That's the interesting thing about environmental toxins. It's not like diets or, or even some food supplements where some people say, oh, you need this or you don't eat keto, eat vegan, like do this, you know, things that works for different people. But in, in environmental toxins, you know, every scientist will agree you shouldn't get them if you can. Then like nobody says, oh, it's good to get a little lead or, you know, you need more pesticides in your diet, right? Like that doesn't happen. So from that perspective, we should try to eliminate them or get them to the lowest level possible. Wow. Yeah. Even when you say it like that, like, oh yeah, just to casually talk about pesticides or lead in your body is even still in a wild concept that makes so much sense. Oh my God. It's pretty simple. We should avoid them. (laughs) Yeah, of course. So how did you start Peoria? What was, I guess, the the moment of conception, the moment when you said to yourself, this is it, I'm going to start Peoria, we're going to do this? I'll give you a little bit more about my background as well to that. So prior to starting Peoria, I was, you know, first I was a personal trainer while I was studying. I was studying business, but my passion was the coaching and the nutrition, the training and all that stuff. Then I started a CrossFit gym, which at the time I think was the second or the third CrossFit affiliate in Europe. So this is super early in the CrossFit journey. I became really into it because there was it was a really cool way of defining fitness and wellness. They added a lot of different components that was much broader than I was taught through just like personal training, strength training. You know, it was really about creating a well-rounded person that could do a lot of different stuff. Don't look at the CrossFit games as much. Like what we often think of CrossFit is these crazy people doing insane things, which is visible, exciting. But for the everyday person, you know, CrossFit about what they call GPP, general physical preparedness, being able to, whether it's like, you know, lift the odd object when you need to, to run when you need to, you know, just being fit. So I started in that industry and I was super passionate about it. And, you know, we were starting to look at, I saw some of my personal training clients having like inflammation issues. I had inflammation. I had sometimes a shoulder that I couldn't really control. It kept getting sore. You know, you're doing so many things. And then eventually I started researching up on it. And I found, you know, a book by Dr. Barry Sears called the Omega RX Zone, which we're talking about the Omega-3, Omega-6 fatty acid balance and why it was so important to get that in, in check in order to have the right amount of inflammation in your body and not too much, meaning this Omega-3, Omega-6 fatty acid balance. And 
going into that, you know, I a lot of the common knowledge around it was, you know, when you're taking this, you got to take something that's free from this and free from that, and you're taking it on a, on a daily basis, but we couldn't find that. And that's where I met my co-founder, Julius, and in the CrossFit gym, he was training there. We were discussing, we were like these young 20-year-old guys that were talking about omega-3 fatty acid. Honestly, in Copenhagen at the time, there was not a lot of people reading inflammation books and so on. So we instantly clicked and, and started to talk about you know, what products to use, how to use it. And when we then go one step deeper, trying to buy something for ourselves, and even I was going to recommend this to some of the, the clients that I was working with and, you know, recommending dosage that was higher than what you would be allowed to recommend, basically, or would you be meant to recommend? I wanted to make sure that it was damn clean because that was the potential side effects everybody was seeing. And none of the brands would give us any data on that at the time. So we instantly thought that, there must be a need other than us. If everybody says, watch out for fish, you know, might find dioxins, PCB or mercury in it uh, when you're eating that on a daily basis. But when we bought the fish oil, we couldn't get the data if there was anything in it. The only way we could do that is was to buy it and send it to a laboratory. And you can guess how many customers or consumers is doing that. I would say very close to zero, but we wanted to do that. And, you know, that's how we, we started the brand based on that. Wow. It's amazing how, you know, you go down this rabbit hole trying to figure out something for yourself and you take a look around and be like, wait a minute, this can help a lot of other people. A lot of other people may not even realize that they are asking these questions. That's a wonderful thing when you realize that you, you have a solution to a problem that just exists without people questioning it. That's kind of the natural way of, of getting going, right? Yeah, of course. So yeah, that, that's how it all started. And then we started to look and obviously there was different nutrition deficiencies and there was different ways of addressing this. And yeah, that's how the brand was built. Ah, that's wonderful. So how did you develop your products? You knew what you wanted to make. You were doing the testing of pre-existing products. What were the steps to actually create your own supplements, your own clean supplements? Yeah, so this is where it's, it's interesting because it's, it's basically a raw ingredient. So it's not like we are heavily processing or building some kind of weird formula. It's more about that like consistent quality of a raw ingredient. So you're purchasing, you want to make sure if it's for fish oil, for example, the omega-3 came from fish, wild anchovies. So where's the ocean the cleanest if you want a clean product? Where do you get an area of the world where you can actually fish without overfishing? You can kind of control that. Is there, you know, all these things that goes into like picking that raw ingredients. And I think for the supplement industry and for many of these type of you know byproduct industries it's a byproduct and for us it wasn't a byproduct it was like we need to find the best kind of starting product and that's what we did and then doing it the consistency is really the key here like keep testing every single batch of every single product you do we test obviously and we get data from the different manufacturers from all over the world like the different ingredient suppliers and in raw material areas but we keep sending that every time we send it to our own laboratories as well or the laboratories we work with because we consistently see differences and again, it's natural products. So you can't really know exactly, you know, if you're using a pea for a pea protein, or if you're using your fish for, you know, it, it will vary a little bit where you're getting it from. So for us developing that, it was really about, okay, for omega-3 fatty acid product, you want to just have a high potency of the omega-3 fatty acid. That's the only reason why you're taking omega-3. It's not because of the flavor, the taste or anything else. It's to get that. So it was fairly simple. And then how can we get that the cleanest possible uh, when you're working with it. So I think that's kind of the key strategy. Then when we go a little further down in some of the newer developments, we have obviously people in-house that are specialists in you know looking at the nutrition profiles and the things that work together. And then you can work with the expert formulators around the world to kind of test some of your hypotheses. But for us, I think it's it's really about raw ingredients, mass data of what people need or are missing in their diet, and then consistency in, in the sourcing. And But just being so rigid on testing and testing and testing and testing and never putting something out there that haven't passed your own testing criteria. Is it difficult to, I mean, I would imagine if you, when you are sourcing your ingredients, there may be a low supply on the supplier's end. Is it difficult to find a different supplier and maintain that quality? What's the challenges like in sourcing ingredients? 
it's definitely difficult and there's definitely differences in the type of product. So I think one of the most difficult products and, and you know, what is also interesting, we are definitely seeing a larger, let's say, plant-based vegan trend and plant-based vegan proteins are in general, what we are seeing more polluted. When you concentrate the protein out of the plants, out of the ground of where these plants are growing, you just happen to have a larger amount of either heavy metals in the products. So that has been really, really hard for us, actually. And, and we've had a protein product on the market. And then we couldn't actually, and we had a lot of customers, which was part of the hardest we've, we've done, right? Having customers that liked our product, but we couldn't get the next batch because the samples we were getting were not living up to our criteria. So we were standing in this like terrible place of like having to discontinue a product because it would take us maybe six, 12 months to source the next one. And, you know, a customer would be fairly annoyed, obviously, if, if the product disappeared from the market for that long, if they were using it consistently. That's super interesting. I This is just an assumption. I mean, please correct me if I'm wrong, but is the issue with plant-based protein, you're being predisposed to potentially have more heavy metals. Is that because when you are dealing with whey protein and getting it from the animal-based protein, they have a liver that can like actively filter out some of the heavy metals? Is that part of the reason? So I'm not the expert in the, in the actual reason in, in that. I think I think the key here is, and when you're working with the plants, obviously the soil from where they are getting the nutrients in, you know, some plants have the tendency to actually work very well as sucking up the different things from the ground. And I, I still think that you would be able to find still other bad stuff through the whey proteins as well, if the cow or if that's for whey protein has not been out like on a, on a field or have been fed with, let's say, bad crops or, you know, not, not like GMO crops or whatever it is that they, they could have been pesticide rich, you would probably still see that in it. But at least for the plants, it's the heavy metals we are seeing. And that has been the hardest part where you, it could be a good hypothesis that the cleaning system of the animal is actually helping that. Yeah, that's super interesting. It almost raises a bunch of questions. I mean, thankfully, that's for where Peoria stands. It's not something that I'm sure you need to beat your head up against the wall as much with. But I wonder if anyone's you know looking into that deeper. Oh, for sure. And I think still, I would say if you're eating and consuming foods on a daily basis, I would go way heavier on the plant-based side of it. And when I'm, you know, consuming, whether it's meat or wild or game or whatever it is, you know, I would try to get that. I would probably prioritize that from a wild grass-fed organic over the plants, because in general, I, I would say, I think that's the biggest risk. But as soon as you start concentrating the proteins out of it, that's where it gets different. And we've we've just had a really hard time finding that. And I think we've researched all over the planet. And there's, there's actually a lot of, I would call high-risk crops out there for various different things that, you know, we also have the dirty dozen and, and, and those lists, which does have a higher amount of environmental toxins. So, you may have covered this a bit. I just want to kind of go in a little bit deeper and see if there's any specific things that stand out in the process. But what is the process of fine-tuning your supplements like? How many iterations did you go through until you found a final product that you were really ready to go to market with? That depends a lot on, on the product type. So some of our products is like single ingredient and some of them is, is multi-ingredients combined. So that that does change. But what we say internally and in our product team, it is it's it's a never-ending product cycle. So a product is never done because it's a raw ingredient. So it might change a little bit and we need to adapt for that all the time. So it's never-ending. We've set certain standards in terms of what we want to. So if we take, now we use the omega-3 as the example because it's kind of easy. So we want to to have a minimum of 74-75% of active ingredient, the actual omega-3 in it. Then we can use different fish. We also said we want a maximum of certain environmental toxins that will be found. We can't get rid of them entirely. It's impossible, but a, a certain threshold and standard. And what we normally do is we scout the world for the strictest standards and then we use those. Maybe sometimes we even use something that's stricter because we find that's what we need. But what we're seeing is that there's a huge difference in markets. Sometimes the Californian Proposition 65 is the strictest. Sometimes the European regulation is the strictest. And it varies quite a lot. And when we're selling a product, and we've had issues with this in the past where we kind of had, you know, our standard is maybe 500 times, you know, higher than what is set by the local standard. And, you know, what do we do when we get a batch of product in good quality, high quality organic ingredient that suddenly shows maybe 
you know, it's 5% above our standard. And right now what we've done in the past is we've, we've not sold it. We put it on hold and then we tried, okay, can we use it in a different way? Because also knowing that and knowing what the market looks like, the product is still probably top 5% cleanest of the products out there. So it would also be kind of not sustainable to just, let's say, throw that out and say, we're not using this natural ingredient. So how can we potentially mix it so we get a little further? Can we add, like, let's say one of the key key ingredients that we're having issues with right now, and I hate to disappoint you guys, that's cocoa. So if you like chocolate, I really like chocolate, but chocolate is extremely hard to source free from heavy metals because of the way where it's grown, because of the soil and so on. We've been through so many different organic cocoa producers out there. And at the end of the day, we actually said, okay, we got to decrease the amount of cocoa we're adding to the product. Despite it has, you know, great antioxidant benefits, it's a great potent ingredient, tastes good. You know, we, we've had to do that. And we've had to have products that we've had made and the supplier, this is an interesting part of it as well. So we can't get suppliers to promise us anything. Like they will not promise us something that's stricter than in legal law, basically. You know, that's that's pretty much impossible. So if we're using a supplier, but our standard is 200 times stricter than law, like we can say that this is what we want, but they're not going to pay for it, so to speak, if the batch is not 100%. They say it's still fine for selling because that's how the market reacts. That's a huge issue and risk for us, right? And that's why, they, again, the testing and testing and testing and batch testing is so important for us. Sorry, it was a little bit of a tangent of the, the never-ending product cycle, but that's how it is working with these natural ingredients. And that's really who we are. We're the specialist in giving you consistently clean natural ingredients. I welcome all tangents. I think it's a really important thing. I mean, if you're consuming something that is, you know, kind of put together, cultivated through various ingredients, I think it's an important thing to understand and appreciate where it comes from. That way, I feel like that mindset sets you up less for settling for a potentially more harmful product that could be like packed with toxins or heavy metals. Adding to that is that one thing, the actual ingredients that we're getting, they might actually be just fine. But at the end of the day, what actually really matters is so the industry is built up that you get like a quality assurances uh, certificates basically on the ingredients. But at the end of the day, it's the product that the consumer stands with in hand that they purchase in their local store or online or wherever they kind of get their hands on the product. And that's the product that has to be meeting those standards because, you know, cross-contamination can happen. You know, maybe there's something from the packaging and maybe microplastic or PPA, something like that, that ends up in the product. So you got to test the final product. And we can talk much more about that because that's really the key in, in my opinion. And I sincerely and we want we want to get the the industry in that direction yeah and it seems like even for the questions that you were asking when you were initially getting started kind of laying the groundwork for peoria it seemed like you were at least one of the few people really trying to understand and figure out how to get a more transparent product how to be more forthcoming about what is in the supplements making sure that the quality is high standards and going out of your way to not just take the easy road out. Yeah. And I think to that point as well, you know, it looks like it's a straight line, (laughs) but in business, as you know, it's never a straight line, but from the product perspective, it's always been that passion of the clean product. So that that has been, but when we started out and going back to when we launched the first product, you know, we thought you can call it the pretty baby theory, right? You have this pretty baby that you've created and everybody should see that this baby is very unique and special compared to other babies. And most parents would understand exactly what I'm talking about here. That's why you see so many pictures of kids when you're out with newborn parents. But the pretty baby theory is also when you're a newborn entrepreneur coming out with your new product. We thought that with this product, it's much better than the other fish oil products on the market. You know, all the major chains and outlets will just, they want to just welcome us with, you know, open arms and get the product out and it will just fly off the shelf. And that's not how it happened. You know, very few of our larger retailers at the time that we thought we wanted to sell through, you know, actually cared about this testing program the way we did. So it took us a very long time. It is starting to come on the radar thanks to a lot more focus in general, but we had that focus probably a little too early and we had to find other ways to really get the product out based on what the consumer were actually asking for. And that was some different mechanics. So it's the exact same thing we've been trying to do for the last 12 years, but the road there and the success has has changed. That's for sure. 
speaking of just the hurdles of, I guess, trying to connect with people in, in that, that realm, are there any specific hurdles that come with digital marketing, whether it's actually marketing your product or even educating people? Yes. So I think there's, there's several components of that. One is regulations. So in Denmark, we have very strict regulations on food supplements compared to what we can say and what we can't say. In the US, that's very different. You can claim a lot and say a lot and maybe just say that these statements has not been evaluated by the FDA, for example. So there's a very different way. That means there's a lot of noise and noise confused, right? Like I think the food supplement space is extremely confusing on what to pick and what to choose because it's driven by so many different, you know, platforms, marketing outlets, paid online marketing, influencers saying this, saying that, you know, suddenly this is good for you, then this is not good for you. Like I've been in the industry for so many years and I still find it so hard to get like a common language across to make any sense out of it. So I think that's a key. So one thing is all the different noise that's coming. The other thing is obviously regulations and different places. Right now, it's various things as like the IRS 14 update has made it difficult to use, you know, paid social media marketing in the same way. So yeah, there's definitely hurdles on digital marketing. There's definitely also benefits. The way that when, when we launched Puri and when we found out that we couldn't just go to the local Danish chain and sell all the products and they would just clap their hands and be excited, we started going online using social media. And this was very early on the days of social media. So the organic content worked much better and you could do something. And pretty fast, you could see it was like, it was a group of people from all over the world that had the same passion. And we started selling here, there, everywhere. It made the business extremely complex, but also very exciting. We were like, you know, should we have setups in all the different countries in Asia? And, you know, we're building up in Australia and Africa. We were having obviously Europe and US, but it was it was just taking us in so many different directions. And actually at some point we had to kind of focus and say, you know, running and different rules, different regulations, the more products we add, the more complexity that creates. We had to kind of narrow it in and say, now we're focusing on a few set of chosen markets where we want to be the number one within these clean 35 tested products. Oh, that makes a ton of sense. I feel like it also helps that because, you know, for people who really are into you know, taking supplements regularly, there is some degree of knowledge that there are products out there that are lower quality, things like that. So there's got to be a large number of people who are specifically looking for the cleanest products. So even just like getting some SEO out there is I feel like, you know, they will find you, I would imagine. I would hope. That's the goal at least. And again, the more there's like these third-party organizations that are doing like non-biased testing, you know, the better for that consumer. And I think in the future, if you go into it, you know, obviously we have our own data, we will have our own knowledge of what it actually is that we need to consume. So we wouldn't have to rely just on, on macro data. So that's obviously down the journey of all this health data that we are trying to gather on, on us. But on the other hand, you would also have the print of what type of environmental toxins are you exposed to? Because where I'm living compared to where you're living, the water you're drinking, water I'm drinking, the food I'm getting, totally different. So maybe the cleanest product is the one that has the least amount of, let's say, lead and mercury for you. But for me, it's more important to avoid arsenic and you know dioxins, something else. So I think that knowledge, as we get way better understanding of how this impacts us, it's going to be something we just... Like we don't necessarily know because it would be way too complex to know all of it yourself, but it will be part of your app data, your your knowledge and, and how you yeah address what you need and what you don't need in your diet. Absolutely. So Oliver, I know that you set up Puri to be as transparent as possible. That's very clear. Are there any challenges that come with being such a like a fully transparent company? Sure. So one of them is obviously the entire supply chain situation, the issues of potentially running out of stock because we could sell a product that would be fine and all other brands would do it and so on. But we've set our own standard and put it out there and every batch has tested everything. So despite it being, you know, just fine compared to any of the like regulations or anything, we would still have to kind of live up to that. And when we set really strict standards and keep that transparency, that has that that's tough, especially because we can't get our, our raw material manufacturers to promise that. So it's that's our cost every time. That's something that's definitely putting you out there. Also, you know, you get more scrutinization, which can be a good thing too. And again, 
we want like it's not enough to just have Puri with a few clean products. We need to start a movement of more people asking for clean products so we can start to clean up and figure out where is it we actually polluting the most. And you know, it's a full cycle ecosystem. So that's definitely part of it. And then I think transparency is also translated very differently. For some people, transparency is, you know, where did this exact ingredient come from? You know, like geographic transparency from other people. It's like understanding the footprint of potential environmental toxins in the product. So I think there's different roads. People are showing different things, but it's, it definitely, for us, it creates challenges on that. It creates challenges on the consistency. Like the consistency is just, it's so hot because we can get a big batch and bait a really good, you know, let's say plant protein. And then the next batch we get from the same area, the same, like it's not the same. And, you know, then we got to, you know, scour all around and see, can we find something or worst case have to tweak it and make a difference. So we still live up to those standards. But again, it should one day become permission to play. Yeah. I wanted to ask, are there any compromises that you've made for the sake of staying transparent? And I know even up to this point, you did mention a few. If you think that that covers it by all means, but if there's anything else, please, you know, feel free. I know you've been pretty forthright in sharing some of the challenges that come with it and even, you know, making it pretty clear that there are solutions around it. But I think that is the biggest challenge as we talked about. It is definitely that, you know, the consistency, the opportunity of actually creating something that the consumer wants and like, and then telling them afterwards, now we can't get it to you anymore. And we don't really have a good, you know, substitution that has been horrible from a financial point of view, as you can imagine. So yeah, definitely a lot of challenges still and a lot of challenges still to come. Perfect. Awesome. I know in addition to being fully transparent, and obviously using third-party testing, you've built a relationship with Clean Labels Project. What's the nature of your relationship there? What does that look like? How did you kind of form that partnership? It's something that has formed over time, so to speak. But initially, a Clean Label discovered us and we discovered them. So we were still Danish brand in the US selling products. And what Clean Label does and why I, I really, really like what they're doing is that they often go out and they buy a category. So see if that category, they take a snapshot of a category, they buy as many products they can find that seems relevant in the space. So sometimes they get up to 80% of a category represented through the different outlets, they purchase and they send them through to a chemical lab to test them for, you know, environmental toxins and, you know, active ingredients. What is the product, what they're they're saying it is and what's behind. And the Puri protein was part of the protein study and our vanilla flavored, not the chocolate, but the vanilla flavored whey protein did the best of all the products in that US study. So that's why we really got on, wow, this is what we've been working on for so many years trying to do. And we can't promise we'll be number one every single time because it's natural ingredients, but we always want to be up there. So for us to see a third party actually doing that and coming out with a phenomenal result was obviously super exciting. So we uh, we reached out to them afterwards and said, hey, you know, I think what you guys are doing is great. But to be honest with you, this is just a snap set. Like you're buying, you know, next week, our batch could be different. And the consumers would still think that maybe this is the cleanest protein in the US. So what we want to do and what we've done ourselves and published ourselves on our website is all the lab data that we take from a third party lab. But we would love for you to do it. So in discussion with them, we started to create the transparency project. And that's kind of just a different certification that not enough brands has getting on because it is super scary. But what it means is that the Clean Label project will work with a lab and they will buy a sample. Basically, you get a sample of every batch of every product. They will talk directly with the laboratory and then they will publish those results on their website. So that the consumers from a third party can see, you know, they have validated that this is actually the products they have up there. And that's what we've done with them now. And we've built it. And obviously, I, we got to learn Jackie Bowen, the executive director from the Clean Label Project, because she was kind of excited because she always gets the, the rumor of being the party killer, the boss killer, and people want to close her down because she's doing these category tests to watch out for, you know, the population, basically. And a lot of people don't like when their brand is featured if it's not clean or, or so on. So she normally get like the other people like chasing her down. And we came the other way around and said, hey, can you test everything for us? Can you test? So she was like kind of excited that she also started that because that's what she, her goal is not to highlight people that are not doing a good job in any way because most of the time, actually, I don't think the brands know 
that they're not doing a good job. They actually just don't know because that's not something you're researching for or you're paying special attention for. The food industry generally focuses on what makes you instant sick, you know, the bacteria and so on. That's what they focus on. Very few tests for all the different environmental toxins that can sneak into the product. So getting that out, we started discussing and, you know, very early on, we were trying, how can we do this? Can you kind of help create this program? And and today we've made that pledge. Now we're starting to add QR codes on all products of all batches. So the consumer can actually go straight from the bottle, wherever they're buying it around the world, directly into that third-party lab data and see what's behind the label, basically. And that's what we think Eventually, it should not be Clean Label Project doing it. So the relationship right now is with them. They can get the word out. They can do more testing. But this should be government regulated. Like this should be like you're regulating other things because it should just be, you know, data points to data point. And it should be somebody's unbiased. And, you know, we set some rules to make sure that there's not a certain amount of, you know, bad stuff in our food. And that should be it. There's a long way to go. And I've learned that the hard way too. This is taking quite some time to get there, but that's what we believe. So it's a deeper relationship that we've built for sure with the Clean Maple Project. But the goal is our long-term goal, which is besides, let's say that it is to play a role in getting the food supplement industry, all the high-risk product industry, high risk of contamination to be third-party regulated and tested. That's the goal. I just kind of want to take a minute to shine the spotlight on how in kind of incredible it is that you went to this organization, Clean Labels, Clean Label Project, and actually like said, hey, we want to be accountable versus trying to hide behind marketing and all that. It shows a lot of character to voluntarily seek out that accountability that you know raises the standard and the expectation of what you're putting out. At the end of the day, you know, any kind of product, supplement, even food that you're ingesting that can contain, I guess, toxic ingredients or heavy metals, anything like that. That's, I mean, it's great that you're taking responsibility for it and even helping an organization trying to make consumables better for consumers. It's definitely been a, in a journey and it's not been easy. And it also took us a long time to be able to really do it all. So I also understand now because when I was talking with Jackie about it as well, I said, like, let's see how many we can get on this program. And, you know, realistically, it is really hard because, again, there's so many components that that requires. And we've seen the same issues that we've had to be able to not sell a product, though it's like, to be honest, probably again, top 5% of the products out there, but still our, you know, transparent quality standards has, has put it down. And that takes some time to massage in, but I still believe that, you know, all us brands should do it. And a lot of brands are starting to do it too. I also want to yeah give a lot of brands some credit. This is getting more and more attention. So Clean Label Project, I said to Jackie many times that if I was not working at Pure, I was a, I would have definitely joined you and, and try to get more food safety on because it's kind of the same passion that started the whole idea of of our brand you know there's a lot of food supplements out there there's a lot of great products out there in terms of like formulations and so on but the consistency clean uh, in clean products that's the hard one to get and it's an important thing i mean at the end of the day you're not just like you as in you know pure and oliver and you know the clean label project it's not just connecting people with the right supplements, but you're also educating people, showing people that there is a little bit of an issue and showing that there is a solution and presenting it to them. It's it's remarkable. It's a start. So let's see how far we can push this. I think that's also why this is not a quick journey. And we've definitely experienced that it's 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 a long journey. But yeah, we hopefully also live a long, healthy life, right? So we can be around for a long time. I mean, hey, with the higher quality food, less toxins, I mean, you're definitely going to outlive some of us. And also for the listener, just my own personal opinion, I actually got to try the vanilla bourbon whey protein, and it is one of the best tasting vanilla proteins I've ever, I've ever tried. That makes us really happy too, because that's not what we have been good at every single time. Sometimes the nerdy ingredient focus have taken a little bit of its a win over, let's say, flavor and you know the solvability or or any of the other things. So we're really happy with that product too. It really it does taste pretty good if you like these type of products. Yeah, of course. So it looks like we're getting down to the wire here. I have a few more questions for you to start. What has been the hardest part about starting Peori? The hardest part, 
That's a big question. And starting it is obviously different from where we are today since the company has, has been around for some time now and there's been different challenges across. But I think a key thing is definitely that you know for a period of time, you got to prioritize work over everything else. Friends, family, you know, like a lot of things. Because, you know, really one of the key things of succeeding in, in trying to do something is, you know, a lot of effort and passion. So, you know, being able to tunnel vision for a period of time is obviously, it's hard if you, you know, have great friends, good like life besides it, because you will be very focused for a period of time. So that's something. The beauty is that when you start to create that, you can actually have people around you that are kind of a part of it in in many ways and, you know, can become something together and you can build something together, which is way more fun than building something alone, in my opinion, at least. But other than that, you know, it's all the different obstacles that you face as an entrepreneur whether it's like financials or legal or things that you, with your passion for your product and your, your project might necessarily like not have in, in your wheelhouse, right? Like it's not skills that you're, you're good at, but you gotta, you gotta learn them. Like there's, oh, you gotta have people around you that can help you with them because you will face issues and complications and, and so on. So, you know, I think that's probably, yeah, the hardest part, at least in the beginning of a, of a business. Work-life balance is tough, especially when you're getting into something totally new and don't necessarily know what might come at you. I'm a big believer in, in hard work and, you know, being able, like it takes effort and it takes time and it takes tenacity to really get anywhere. If, you know, the journey that we've been on, it's been long and it, it's been hard, but it's also been fun. I think that probably comes down to, you know, some of the advice that I would give other people, like if they were going into this by themselves, right? Like it would be, make sure it's something you're passionate about, like, because you got to spend so much time in it, right? That you got to be passionate, even when, you know, it's not fun and then be tenacious because it is, it is not a quick fix. You should never go in it, you know, start it to create it, not to sell it. You know, you want to start a business to create something, to make something, to see something, not to sell something, to say, I think this might one day be, I'm sure there's people out there can do that, but I really, really would not encourage that in any way. You got to be business smart because otherwise you'll fail at that part too, because finance is a, is a key piece of, of being an entrepreneur, but it starts with the passion. That's what will keep you going. I think you nail it. A couple of things there. I mean, one, if you don't care about what you're doing, then, you know, once it gets really tough, it's going to be almost impossible to keep going. I think that's where the really fuel comes from. And people don't realize that it's not, you know, building something like a business. It's not always fun. It's not always going to be, you know, a great time. It's not. And that's, I vividly remember one of our early angel investors, like showing me a graph of the road to success. Everybody think it looks like this. It's like a straight line. And it, the graph was like, like a fun, like little, like it's a detour of all the different things, but it's just, you got to keep going. Right. And you know, yeah. If you believe in it, keep going. Absolutely. What is some of the biggest mistakes that you made along your career? I think we touched on it a little bit uh, prior to our conversation here. And I think that's being afraid of focusing. So the kind of the fear of missing out at the beginning, you're creating something and believe that you want it to be for everyone and so on. And, and that's, you know, if you are a small entrepreneur startup company, you know, you should be able to be the best at a very little niche first. That's really what you should, you should focus on. So being afraid of focusing can be, it can be super scary to say no to a business for example, like if you're an entrepreneur, say, you know, I'm not going to like, I'm focusing, let's say on building an e-commerce business and in this market and suddenly a distributor from another market reach out to you and ask, hey, we'll buy some products from you. It's like you're standing there, you have financial constraints and you know that you want to do it to get going, but being able to say no and say, I'm focusing on this. And every time I add more stuff, I add complexity. And that complexity is going to eventually potentially kill the growth because I'm doing too many small things and not kind of winning my path. So yeah, being afraid of focusing. Don't be afraid of focusing. That's my key. That hits close to home for us. I mean, I know for what we talked about before we really got started, but I think that it's that's something that a piece of advice that I've gotten uh, a couple of years ago and something that makes a lot of sense, you know. How can you be good at everything when you're just getting started out and still trying to be good at, at one thing? You're, I think you're 100% right. You can't, right? And I'm not saying that we didn't do it, 
because like we definitely made mistakes. We definitely tried to do everything at some points. And sometimes you're just like, you're just, you know, we need the cash to survive. And, you know, we're paying like, so you're in a situation which is really hard. But again, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of focusing. <laughs> Easier said than done. Oh yeah. Big time. hundred percent. Lastly, the fun one. What is the best part about running Fiori? I think now it's like the time that I get to to spend with with passionate people that are actually better than me at, at all the different things they do, and you know, see them take things to the next level and get energy and excitement out of it. Obviously, there's many parts that you need as starting out as an entrepreneur. And somebody is super good at like this science part and diving into details and so on. And my co-founder, Julius, was that I really also enjoy the people part of it, which is probably the thing you need for the longer run, right? Like being able to really see people grow in it and wanting to see that. So I think that's what I get the most energy out of and what I think is the coolest part. And again, you need both. So that's why it's also a beautiful combination of, you know, teaming up with somebody which has different competencies and skills, but the same values. And I can't stress that enough. That's the key. You can do, you know, if the people have the same values, you can struggle, you can have different fights and so on. But if the value set is basically the same, and I'm not talking a set of like 88 to 10 different weird corporate values written on a whiteboard. I'm talking about the key values that you want to stand out with. That passion, if you can make sure that you hire within those values, we normally say at, at our company, we, we obviously do different testing of people. But if people come and they would love to have a office space where, you know, there's diet Cokes and, you know, we're getting hot dogs and sandwiches and all that stuff in the fridge every day. And, you know, it's just like beer drinking after work. That's great. You know, it's not the right place because we might have a workout in the morning. People might do a meditation session in the middle of a meeting. You know, there'll be, sometimes we pick up a green juice, which is total green. But you know, if you like that part, you know, if you really like that, you know, playing with these things. And again, we do go out and have beers and have fun, but as a daily kind of uh, thing, you know, that's what, if you can find the same passion around that, the same value set for that, for us, it's the commitment to health and the passion about it. You know, if you don't like that, you should definitely not work at Puri. But then the best part is seeing, you know, other people taking it to the next level and just kind of, it starts to spread, right? Like that's, that's magic basically. You're practicing what you preach. You're living a healthy lifestyle and you're promoting the healthy lifestyle that you live. That's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. And that should be natural, right? Like it should be something that I want to do. If I really wanted to go out like party hard and I just want pizza and beer and, and whatnot, you know, yes, I do that probably fairly rare, but you know, there's different ways. But if, you know, you got to follow that passion and, and energy into it, that's for sure. Uh Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. And then I think as a side note, and what we're starting to see as well is, you know, the one thing is the people within the company, but the other part, as you also mentioned, is the people around it and the people using your product. So the consumers, the customers that we have that has also researched the market for maybe a clean product and been able to actually, I, I can find it. I can get that knowledge that I didn't get, you know, having them come back and say, well, I really feel a difference. You know, I've been starting to take this and I feel that I can kind of like you know, trusted without being worried of getting X, Y, Z. That obviously has a, has enormous joy to it. When we're reading, whether it's reviews on Amazon or website, when people are coming with that feedback and they're writing the things in a detailed way of like very expressed, like what they, sometimes they make the pros and cons list. The pros, what I like about this brand is X, Y, like, I'm so impressed. Sometimes they like they hit the nail on what our brand is trying to do better than ourselves sometimes. Like they're really like, I really like that they're doing this, this, and that. And sometimes also the cons is amazing to read. You know, I think I'm missing this and that, like, and maybe it should be more of that. And like that is really, you know, consumers that really like what they're getting from us and you know, has that kind of opinion. I think that's the other cool part of it. Oh, yeah, because you're building a community too around the product, which is better. Yeah, you're bringing people together in a lot of ways. We are. And I think yeah, just we are helping people hopefully live uh, healthier lives. And by that, you know, sometimes, you know, we have impact. And I think this is super important to stress too. We are not the company to say that you'll, you know, start purchasing our magnesium and, you know, everything you can, you don't have to do anything else. You know, we put it 
pretty big on all our products. We call it our four cornerstones. It's the square. It's on all our products, on our website, everything. But it symbolizes all the things you got to do before buying this product, basically. Whether it's like you got to move, have some physical activity. You got to look at your diet, the food. Remember, food supplement is a supplement to your diet. So there's things you got to do prior. And we try to put a lot of focus on that and remind ourselves by making it a key part of the brand and visual identity of, of who we are. Because, you know, at the end of the day, it's a supplement to your healthy lifestyle. And we got to remember that too. Some parting words of wisdom. Oliver, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. For the listener who wants to find out more about Peori, who wants to maybe get some supplements into their routine and be a little bit healthier, learn more about the Clean Labels Project, where is the best place for them to head? So Puri is obviously to go to our website, Puri.com, and, and find out more. And that doesn't matter where in the world you are. And for understanding more, and I also highly encourage that to, you know, now pluck the, the podcast we've created around, you know, we call it the Coming Clean Project, which is created with Jackie, who is the executive director of the Clean Label Project. And what we're trying to do is to put other people, other brands, other people who are trying to clean up the world or make better cleaner alternative to products out there or the nonprofit organization that are trying to, you know, figure out how do we remove lead from the Indian consumers because we're seeing a ton of lead creeping into the food chain there or, you know, people who is trying to do a better job cleaning up the planet and our lives from environmental toxins. That's what we highlight when we try to educate. And, and she's way more skilled in the scientific part and, and asking that. And I am the consumer. Like I'm like, I'll ask questions. I don't understand why do we have to just... Why, for example, chocolate right now, I'm buying chocolate down my local store. I love chocolate. and Like that chocolate, why can't I figure out if this chocolate is full of cadmium, for example, that we know is in chocolate? Like as a consumer, I should know, like, so hopefully that can, you know, start some new conversations. So that's called the comingcleanproject.org. And it's also a podcast on Apple and so on. So we're talking with a lot of great people from around the world who is doing a great job trying to make impact on environmental toxins. So it's very focused on environmental toxins. Awesome. And I will include a link to the Coming Clean Project below for anyone who wants to check that out. Please do. Oliver, thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for doing this and, you know, for putting out a lot of great stories and, you know, entrepreneurial journeys in, in general. So it's, it's fun listening in. We look forward to listening to the next few episodes as well. Absolutely. Hey, Ready Any Podcast listeners, if you enjoyed today's episode, then I would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Eddie Podcast. I'll catch you next week. Bye.